0: Clear when you get ready to go home. We certainly don't want to put anybody in in danger. I would also like to say just a few words about our business meeting tomorrow evening. Our business meeting is tomorrow evening at 7 o'clock. What did we? 6.30. Tomorrow evening at 6.30. So those of you who are 15 years old and are baptized members of the church, be here to participate. We'd like to encourage you to be here. You're needed. Your thoughts are needed. Your advice is needed. And so be here tomorrow evening at 6.30 to participate in the annual business meeting. In your, court, in your bulletin today, you'll find a financial report. The reason why I put it in the bulletin today is because those who are not members of the church, but have contributed, I'm sure that you would like to know where your money has been used and how it's been spent. And so we want you to be informed. You've supported the work and we want you to have a financial report along as anybody, uh, with the rest of us. Even though, as I've said before, uh, we announced that if you're uh, 15 years old and a baptized member of the church, be here to... Huh? 16 years. Is it 16? I thought it was 15. Okay, 16. I'm uh, corrected. 16 years of old. But if you're interested, that's that's... Not to say that you can't be here, even though you're not a member of the church. If you want to come out, if you're interested in the church, if you're uh, concerned about the church, why, be here and, and sit in and listen. It's not a closed meeting, and we certainly don't want it to be a closed meeting. We're not, we're not secretive about what we do. <clears throat> As I mentioned to Brother Andy this morning, I said this is the first time I saw you since last year. This is not the beginning of the year as far as God is concerned. God's calendar begins approximately April. In the spring of the year, that's when God's new year begins. But nevertheless, we have a calendar that we go by. It's called the Roman calendar. And from the standpoint of that calendar, we're beginning a new year today. How was last year as far as your concern and the things that happened to you and the things you would like to accomplish but you didn't? The things that you did accomplish, the blessings that you have you did receive from the Lord. What are your plans for the new year to come? Have you given it much thought? I hope, I hope we've given it some thought, some consideration, because it's certainly a, a new record. Everything from this day forward will be new as far as the year is concerned. You have a fresh start. And because we have a fresh start, it is a time of the year when a lot of people likes to make resolutions. And I'm not against resolutions. I'm not against making pledges. I'm not against making vows. But we'll go into that as far as as we go into our thoughts. For this morning. As I said, it's a new year, a new beginning, a fresh start. And I'm sure there's several things we'd like to see differently and we'll try with God's help. To do differently. But I would like to remind us of Matthew 26. Matthew 26 in the 41st verse. Jesus said, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Without a doubt, we would like to start afresh today. Without a doubt, we would like to see this coming year differently than what the past year has been. But Jesus is reminding us here that the Spirit indeed is willing... We like to see things differently. We want to see things differently. But the flesh is weak. As far as the flesh is concerned, we have to have some help. There needs to to be something to help us over those moments and those times in which we're not able to help ourselves. We say many times we like them for the Lord to help us. And that He will do. But I want to remind us, brethren, God will not do it all. God will not do it all. He is only there to help us when we're not able to help ourselves. That He will do. But don't sit back and expect God to do it all. He has to have some help. And as I said, it's a time and many times when we make resolutions and and, uh, uh, pledges and, and perhaps even vows at times. But yet the wise man in Ecclesiastes, the fifth chapter Ecclesiastes the fifth chapter and the second verse. He says, be not rash with thy mouth and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. Be careful about the resolutions that we make. Be careful about the pledges that we make. Be careful about the vows that we make. You may say, well, Brother Walker, I don't don't make vows. I want to remind you, if you're married, you took a vow. And of all things in life, we ought not to be rash in making that vow. We ought to have made it a matter of prayer. We ought to have taken time to meditate and think about it before we made the vow in our marriage or took our marriage vows. That's the trouble with people today. They take things too hastily. They make vows. Without a little thought of keeping them, whether it's marriage vows or whatever it might be. Brethren, if you're a child of God this morning, you took a vow. You made a vow before God that you would live for Him. And I thought hope that you took it seriously, that you took it seriously. Solomon said, be not rash with thy mouth and let not thy heart be hasty to utter anything before God. We have examples in the scriptures where people made pledges and vows in haste without little thought. In Matthew the 14th chapter, Matthew the 14th chapter, we find that Herod is celebrating his birthday. And we find that he, he gets so hept, he gets so energized and, and happy over the occasion. That he turns to his daughter and, or the daughter of his wife at least. Well, let us begin with the sixth verse. It says that when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Pleased him. Whereupon he promised with an oath. It was more than just a slight promise. But he promised with an oath, I swear. That I'll give you whatsoever you ask. He never gave it any thought what she might ask. He didn't say, I'll give you anything that you ask if it's within my power to do so. Well, you may say, Well, it was within his power, he wouldn't have done it. Well, no, he went against the will of God. It was not in his, it was in his power as far as his kingdom is concerned. But as far as right and wrong, he had no right. He had no choice in deciding to give the head of John the Baptist. It was not his to give. But The eighth verse says, And she, that is the daughter, being before instructed of her mother, said, Give me here John's Baptist head and a charger. And the setting is here, he told the both of them that they ought not to be married. They went against the counsels of God as far as their marriage is concerned and she didn't like that. She didn't like that. She wanted to get rid of him. I'm sure that every time she saw John the Baptist, her conscience pricked her. And she wanted to get that which reminded her of her past out of sight. And so she said, you tell him, if he asks you what you would like to have, tell him John the Baptist's head. Herod, it was a foolish vow that he made. It was a foolish pledge that he made. And he ought to have given up some consideration. As to how he stated his remarks. Another one that we find in the scriptures. In Judges 11th chapter. In Judges 11th chapter. Here was a man of God. I say a man of God because his faith is mentioned or he's mentioned in the faith chapter of Hebrews eleven, so he must have been a man of God. he would have been listed among the great faithful ones faithful ones of, of Hebrews eleventh chapter, but in judges. The 11th chapter, we find that... Uh, uh, <clears throat> I want to give you a little bit of a history here of Japheth. <clears throat> Japheth was, was, a, 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 was born a son of a harlot. And, and since he was born a son of a harlot, he was rejected by his relatives and friends. He was rejected. But a time came in which they needed his services. And so they went to him and then they said, Now, we, we want you to come back and be our leader because we, we got problems. And the problems that they had was the king of Ammon was about to throw him out of his kingdom. And they knew that they were not capable of going against him. And so Japheth made some certain requests, And they said, after I go into this battle and I get the victory, you're not going to throw me out again. No, 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 we won't do that. We want you to be our leader from then on, from now on. And Japheth accepted those terms. He went into battle, or rather before he went into battle, this is what he told God. Beginning with uh, uh, verse 30. And Japheth vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, 'If If thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into mine hands. See, he's talking to God now. Then it shall be that whosoever cometh forth of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the children of Ammon shall surely be with the Lord's, shall be the, the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. I'm sure, he, I don't know just the position that he took, whether he knelt and he prayed to God or he just simply looked up to heaven and he says, Oh God, if you will give me the victory, whatever comes out of the door of my house when I return, the first thing I see, I'll give an a sacrifice to you. A foolish vow indeed. What happened? Notice verse 34. And Japheth came to Pizpah unto his house. And behold, his daughter. His daughter came out to meet him with timbrels and with dances. And she was his only child. (coughs) He was his only child. Beside her, he had neither son nor daughter. And it came to pass when he saw her, he rent his clothes. Oh, I'm so sorry. Why did I do that? He rent his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, thou hast brought me very low. Thou thou art one of them that trouble me, for I have opened my mouth unto the Lord, and I cannot go back. I cannot change it. And if you read on, you'll find she tells him, Dad, that's all right. Don't worry about it. She makes a request that she would be spared for 30 days, that she can go out and show the people her purity, the purity of her life. She was a virgin. Now, some people feel that Jephthah actually sacrificed his daughter. I know that you can get that impression from what's recorded here. But I'd like to remind us, brethren, that God has never, has never requested a human sacrifice. other than his son. So I doubt very much if Japheth had sacrificed his daughter as far as a burnt offering is concerned that his name would have been written in Hebrews 11th chapter. Because that's what the heathen did. Some. Historians say, and I'm quoting from them now, personally, I just don't feel that God would have accepted that kind of an offering. But this is not my words, it's the historian's writing. That she went about showing her purity, that she was a virgin And then she became, you remember Anna in the temple? She served in the temple. And she never went home. He never saw his daughter after that. Never went home. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. That's what some historians say. Their interpretation. And and, and 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 then their remarks they, they 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 let it be known that that is their, their ideas but I feel certain that he did not give her as a burnt offering, he gave her a live as a living sacrifice, yes. Because the historian says she probably never went home after that. But nevertheless, let us come back to my original thought. It was a foolish pledge. A foolish pledge to make. And that's what I'm speaking about in this portion of my remarks this morning. Foolish vows that we make. Without giving any thought. Any serious consideration. To them, there is another kind of vow that's made. This is found in Jonah, the first chapter. Jonah, you know, that was swallowed by the fish. You know, if you're a Bible student, you know the account as to what happened. And you'll find in the first chapter the account of what took place, how the storm took, came up and and uh, uh, they couldn't understand what was taking place. And Jonah says, I'm your problem. I'm your problem. Get rid of me and your problems will cease. And so they threw him overboard and was swallowed by the fish and I imagine just like that. The storm calmed. In the 17th verse, excuse me, in the in the 16th verse, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. You know, a lot of time people make vows during a time of feeling of fear well I'm going to die and Lord I'll do this and that if, if you'll just spare me I remember one time sitting in a congregation listening to the minister or this minister rather talking it was during uh, the time of the war the um, the, the Second World War, and he was traveling on a on a on a train, and and he was a <laughs> he was the first person I ever saw that was almost a dead center for Jimmy Durante. Is, is that the right name? Okay, he was short, didn't quite have the nose that Jimmy had, but nevertheless. <laughs> I could I could see how the soldier would, would, would make fun of him. And, and that's what he said. He said, I was traveling on this train and uh, the train was full of soldiers transferring and coming back from the war and so forth. He said it was warm and the inside I wanted some fresh air and so I stepped out between the two cars and said I stepped out there and there was two soldiers there. And he said... They were pretty well drunk. And uh, uh, the soldier that was perhaps, I don't know if he was the drunkest one or not, but nevertheless, he, he took his hat off. And, and, and it was during those years that uh, men still wore hats. And, and so he put his, the soldier put his hat on him. He took his hat and, and put it on him and sort of make a humorous thing about it. And this man went along with it. It didn't bother him. He was quite humorous. And so after they got talked a while, the soldier says, Mister, what do you do? What's your profession? And the man said, I'm a minister. And he said, just like that, he says, his countenance changed. Serious. He said, Preacher, he said, I want you to know. When I was in that trench, he said, there was no one pray to God any stronger than I did. Out of fear, he turned to God. But just as soon that he was away from danger, What does he do? He forgets all about God. And so many times. When we make vows. During the time of fear. We forget. God keeps his part. But then we forget. All about the commitment or the pledge. That we have made. Yes there's foolish vows. There's vows that are made in fear, but there's good vows too. There's good vows. First Samuel, the first chapter. First Samuel, the first chapter. Here was a woman that was barren that didn't have a child, and she wanted one so bad. Her name was Hannah. she was she wanted a child so bad and she went before the lord and this is what she said beginning with the 10th verse of first samuel 14 <clears throat> i'm in the wrong didn't think it was, i'm in the wrong chapter first samuel the first chapter 1 Samuel, the first chapter, beginning with verse 10. And it says, and she was in bitterness of soul. She was sorrow. She was in a deep sorrow. She was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look upon the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thy handmaid a man-child, then will I give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. I'll give him to you, Lord. God answered her prayer. She had a son, Samuel. She raised him until he was about seven years old. And ladies. I'd like to ask you. Those of you who have children. You've born the child. You've raised him. Until he's seven years old. Would it be easy for you to give him up? No. No. But she said, Lord, if you will give me a man-child, I will give him to you all the days of his life. And when she when he was about seven years old, she took him to the temple, and there she gave him to God. And he served and worked in the temple with Eli. I believe it was Eli. She made a vow. It was a good vow. She remembered her vow. And she kept it. Yes brethren there are good vows. But when we make one. We ought to keep it and remember. What we've said. That's why Solomon says in in Ecclesiastes the 5th chapter. Ecclesiastes the 5th chapter. (coughs) as he speaks on our subject today. Ecclesiastes, the fifth chapter, beginning with verse 4, he says, When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. Defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. He has no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than thou shouldest vow and not pay. So he said, well, no, I'm, just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to make a pledge. I'm not going to make a vow. The next to last church that I pastor, the church in Eureka, South Dakota, They operated their church on pledges. No one thought anything about it. Nothing wrong. Nothing wrong in that. But so many times people say, well, no, I'm not going to make a pledge. No, no. Yet, my friend, you'll go down to the... To the sales yard or car. Buy a new car and you will pledge yourself for four years. You'll pledge yourself for four years of payments on that car. And think nothing of it. Yeah, when it comes to God, oh no, I I, I don't want to make a pledge. What's the difference? If you're willing to make a pledge to a non-believer, how come we can't make a pledge to God? And that's why I say the church. It's the only church that I've ever pastored, but they at the end of the year, like tomorrow night, when we come together for our business meeting, beforehand, they would have approximately figured out what their expenses are going to be throughout the year, and they would divide that among the membership. And they said this is what each family ought to pledge. Now they didn't require it as far as membership or anything like that is concerned. It was voluntary. But as I said, they would operate the church on on pledges. Nothing wrong. But I'm just trying to explain. Oh yes. If we make a pledge or a vow and in few month, few weeks or few months. well, I don't want to do that no more. No. Then we need to be careful, because brethren, if you go down to the to the to the garage or to the uh, uh, to the dealership and, and buy a car and you pledge yourself for four years of payments and the time comes when you decide you don't want to make any more payments or you quit making payments, I want to tell you, you bring a reproach upon yourself and the church too. When you make a pledge to somebody, we ought to keep it. When we when we make a pledge and well, no, I I don't want to do that no more. Then the people will say that, that man who runs that, that that agency will, is that the way the church of God does? Is that the way their people, is that what they believe? That they only keep their pledges for a certain length of time and and they're free to, to break the promise? This is what Solomon is saying when you give your word, brethren, keep it. My father had a lot of of, uh, weaknesses and and, uh, so forth as far as the example is concerned. But I tell you, there's one thing he instilled in me. I believe my father would rather die than break his word. He would rather die than break his word. As
1: far as I know, he
0: never wrote a contract, never signed a contract, but he borrowed more as much money as any of us here. He gave his word, and he never broke it. Never broke it. That's what Solomon is saying. When you pledge your word, your commitment, keep it. Because it's better not to make a pledge than make one and later on renege on it. Yes, there's good vows, there's bad vows. There's good pledges, there's bad pledges. The year before us, is clean. What are we going to do with it? Well, the past year has been so bad, I, I just can't get over what things that has happened. In Philippians, the third chapter, let's see how the Apostle Paul handled the situation. Philippians 3. Now, I don't think necessarily he's talking about a new year As such, but it certainly can be applied to our thoughts today. In Philippians, the third chapter, beginning with the 13th verse, he says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind, forgetting those things that have happened. And reaching forth unto those things which are before. It's a clean road. It's a clean slate that's before us. Forget what happened. Forget what's happened in the past. Maybe you failed. Maybe we've made some mistakes. It's in the past, brethren. You can't change it. You can't do differently. As far as that instant is concerned. But Paul says forget it. With God's help. Get up and go forward. Because it said I press toward the mark. For the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Brethren we've got a goal. We have a goal. And that goal is eternal life. That goal is the eternal kingdom to being a part of it with God's people. Let's not allow the things in the past to pull us back, to draw us down. Paul says, forget it. Forget it. The future is ahead of you. My closing text is in Philippians again, but in the fourth chapter. This is what I would like to leave with you a reminder. As I said, we've got a new year ahead of us, the slate is clean. What are we going to do with it? Paul says in the fourth chapter of Philippians. In the 19th verse. He said. But my God shall supply all your need. According to his riches. In glory by Christ Jesus. Yes. Maybe we failed. Maybe we made mistakes. But I want to remind us, brethren, that God is here. He wants to help us. He will be with us. And He will supply all of our need that we might have. May God bless you Is my prayer.